Hey, what's up, Black Knight Nation? I'm Sal Antonio, host of the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm here with Steve Anderson, my co-host, and we're going to recap Army's 38-35 win over Western Kentucky yesterday. Um, sorry we didn't get to you guys yesterday. A lot of things going on, and uh, we're going to review the game and uh, you know, look, just analyze it a little bit and maybe uh, break it down. First off, the podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company, a sports consulting company sponsored uh, – uh, Joe Ross is our sponsor. He's a former Army fullback. He's a former Army head coach, uh, assistant coach. Sorry, former Army assistant coach, and he also, you know, served served in the Army too. We thank Joe Ross and Higher Echelon for sponsoring this podcast. And Steve, man, we just talked about it. I mean, at the end of that game, your blood pr- pressure was probably pretty high. The intensity on the field was pretty high during the handshake of that game, right? I mean, there was a lot of emotions in that game. With it being 9-11, first of all, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, right? And, man, it looked like Army had this game in a bag in the fourth quarter. Jacoby Buchanan, um, you know, scores a touchdown. I think it was 35-14. I'm pretty sure it was 35-14. And, you know, that's three touchdowns. There's 10 minutes left. You're thinking, okay. I mean, Army couldn't be stopped. They scored five straight uh, touchdowns on five straight drives. So, so you were thinking, even if Western Kentucky gets the ball back, Army's going to have an answer for it. And, um, man, it just turned really quick, and it became a game of onside kicks at the end there, Steve. Yeah. And you know what was great about the end to me, personally to me, right? The guy who recovered the last onside kick. This is a guy, Simon Dillinger, right? A guy who's a sophomore. He was a tight end last year. In, in, in preseason camp, they convert him to tackle. And what the onside kick kind of gets past that first line of defense, so to speak, of Army. And Simon Dillinger is following the ball and hops on it. Game over. Yeah, I thought that that I thought that was to me that was a great that was that was for a guy an unsung guy right an unsung guy coming out and I say quote saving the win you know wrapping up the win clinching the win. But how did we get there, man? How did we get to that point? It was it was crazy. I, it was funny hearing the announcers talking about why is that guy on the field? He's a tackle. <laughs> and then it goes into like how he had converted from tight end and everything. But yeah. No, um, like you said, Sal, there was there was no answer to uh, our triple option. I love seeing us get on the edge a little more. Um, I thought it was hilarious when, um, oh god, I always face on his name. The fullback, uh, the our first ring fullback, uh, Jacoby Buchanan. Yeah, when Buchanan scored the touchdown, cannons went off, and then they called it back, and then he just scored again with another yeah. trap. <laughs> it was like it, nobody was stopping him from getting in the uh, getting in the end zone. So. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was 35-14 at one point, and um, games seemed like to be handled, but, you know, all the scouting reports tell you how fast these guys can score. I mean, they did it right before halftime, too. I looked at – I look, um, I literally – I remember I used the restroom uh, right before half. I was like, boom, we got two scores going at halftime, feeling good. Came back, it was 21-14. I was like, what the heck? What, what, how did that happen? So, um but yeah, no, it was uh, close at the end. Yeah, we had like three onside kicks, all very similar styles. Uh, it was good that you know we all did the, the right thing there, right? The third phase of the of football, a special team, so yeah. went in there. Um, but yeah, it was um, very um, very interesting to see how uh, they started making that climb back towards us towards in the fourth quarter. Yeah, a couple things. First off, let's talk special teams real quick. Um, Marquel brought and uh, he recovered two of those onside kicks. And he was talking about in the press conference that on fr- every Friday, 
they work special teams and they go over the exact position where you should be on special teams. They don't necessarily kick it 10 times to each other. You know, they, they more go over positioning and, you know, coach Munkin's a little bit, um, he's, he's a big, big into special teams. And so Markel Broughton said he was just doing what he was taught and he was just doing what he was coached to do. And today army's army, army uh, coaching staff puts out the players of the game in offense, defense, special teams, and then gives also scout team players of the week. Mark Markwell got defensive player of the game, and he got special teams player of the game from the Army coaching staff for recovering those two um, onside kicks. So, um, you know, really, um, you know, they go to two and zero. They win their eleventh straight at home at Mikey. Um, but um, I, I guess I underestimated Western Kentucky's passing offense and, and Bailey Zapp. I mean, he. He was impressive. He was impressive. I mean, he was helped by a bunch of blown coverages. You know, he was helped by a bunch of blown coverages. But uh, Jared Stearns, his his top wide receiver, they have a connection where pretty much the ball is in Zap's hands. It's released in a half a second. Stearns knows where to go, and and and, and it's, a, it's a catch. You know, they just have that connection that Army couldn't solve toward the end there. Yeah, uh, very interesting to see that the, the offensive coordinator had brought over – Zap and then uh, like four of the receivers as well, which was uh, which was kind of just an interesting like take on uh, you know, it shows you that um, those guys obviously love playing for that coach and uh, they obviously have a connection. If if Zap was going to go, then they were going to go with him. So uh, yeah, I mean the guy threw for like 440 yards, uh, yeah. which is which is you know I don't care who you're playing, that's impressive. And uh, it was nice to see that, you know, we started the game with a, with a pick, though, kind of like set the tone early on. We had an interception, um, which I think always helps, you know, when you're going against a, a real good talent. Like, kind of always reminds me of, like, um, when Rocky cuts the big Russian in Rocky Four, right? <laughs> like, he's not like some incredible athlete that, you know, is better than everybody else. Like, he's a man just like anybody else. And so it was good to see that uh, – you know, us to kind of settle there and then our offense pick right up and, uh, and go down the field. Yeah, it was the second straight game that Army's defense got a turnover on the opening series of the game. And, uh, yeah, that was Marquell jumping jumping in front of a pass. And then um, Jacoby uh, – Jabari Moore – sorry, Jabari Moore had a nice knockdown on a fourth down pass to stop a drive for Western Kentucky in the first half. And you're like, okay, Army's su- – Army's, uh, you know, solving it a little bit, and then, like, like, uh, like we talked about, there was a little bit of a blown coverage for a long 72, 73 yard touchdown pass, and then in the second half, um, to me, it just seemed like, I mean, Army had the long drive on the Buchanan score, score right, and then Western Kentucky answered right away. Then Army comes down the field in a fourth and two, I think, thirty six yard line of Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky. Kentucky snuffs us Christian Anderson run yep. and that kind of turned the turn the game around. Yeah, that was really kind of the yeah, that was really where the momentum shifted and that's when our our offense kind of stuttered from there um going forward. Um I just want to uh, before we get too much into the game, I wanted to bring up how about that entrance from Army? Oh yeah. Uh, on, you know, the remembrance of 9/11 weekend. I thought that was uh, you know, a bunch of people texted me. I had obviously I had a bunch of classmates that were there. Uh, it was just something I, I had never seen before. So I thought it was really special. Um, them coming all out like that. So I, I think maybe, and we always try to, you know, when I played, it was always like play in the moment, right? Don't get too ahead of yourself. I think we came out jacked up and I don't know, 
I don't want to say that we did it. We let the, you know, the foot off the pedal, but it just seemed like we had slowed down a little bit in that fourth quarter. And I wonder if because our emotions were so high, you know, start the game is that maybe, you know, we kind of, we kind of peaked a little too soon. Uh, you know, uh, you know, there's no, there's going to be no scientific. Yeah. that. I just, it makes me wonder if, um, you know, we definitely came out extremely strong. Um, and it just seemed like we were just a little slower in the fourth quarter. Um, and it was a little, you know, like you said, it was a little, it was a little frustrating watching some blown coverages when, you know, that's not army football, right? Like if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us because you're better than us. Not because, uh, we're going to beat ourselves. So. Yeah. And, that, uh, so the entrance by army was, um, every player had an American flag as they ran onto the field and you're, and Steve, you know how many players army army dresses, right? They dress at home. I think they dress in about 90 players, about 90 players at home. So that's a pretty impressive um, uh, picture of, you know, support and of America right there when, right. They're coming in with the flags and that um, CBS sports network video. The last time I checked was at 2.5 million views of that, um, of that short clip. And uh, man, that just, and Mark, Mark Well Broughton said after the game, that was a show of strength. You know, that, that, that was a sign of strength for not only the country, but just, just, just America, America in general, but also maybe a sign of strength that we, we know this team is unified, right? You've been on army teams. I mean, there's no doubt that there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a bond and you talk about the brotherhood all the time. And when you're running on the field with your teammates and you have the American flag on you and there's fans in the stands, about 30,000 fans in the stands, give or take. And there, I mean, there must have been like me watching from the press box. I'm like, holy cow, that was just a, a great show. It, it, it's what the, what really Army football is all about, right? I mean, it's, it's all about, it's what you're playing for, really. Yeah, and the coolest thing, I think the coolest thing about, you know, our 30, 35, 40,000 fans, however many we have, is um, there's a connection or there's a bond between, you know, 90% of them. There's very few, um, you know, just random fans that are Army fans, right? Like, there's somebody who's served that you have a connection with serving, or it's your mom that's coming to the game, or it's your cousins that's coming to your game. Or it's a it's a it's it's really like a family, yeah. um, you know, extend extended family, right? There's always there's somebody who's got something invested in army football. There's no like you know that when you go to all other games, right? Like you just have people that grew up in the state of Georgia and they like Georgia football, right? But there's yeah. no real connection to the team. Versus you've got you know truly the twelfth man of all these people really care for these players more so than just what they're producing on the field. And that's, uh, you know, all of them coming out with those American flags, you know, just, I, I know my buddies were, uh, had a blast. I were up there. Uh, we'll try to, we'll try to get a couple of them on later on this week to talk Connecticut and, and talk about a little bit of the game. So uh, just really special um, to just be able to see. And I, you know, I got the opportunity to watch it with a buddy of mine who I played football with. So um, it was just um Really good game uh, for, you know, to, really good start of a game. You know, we were really looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it gets Army pumped up. And then, like, uh, opening drive for Army didn't go so well after that interception, right? There was a fumble inside the 10-yard line that, you know, um, the first turnover of the season for the Black Knights. But then 
like I said before, five straight touchdown drives after that. And um, so Army was playing without starting quarterback Tahir Tyler. They were playing without starting fullback Tyson Riley, who started in the opener. You know, they move they they move guys in and out there at the fullback position. And um, you know, Christian Anderson really played played a pretty steady game. Christian Anderson did. Um, Really operate the offense well, like he usually does. Had a career high 119 yards rushing, through through another touchdown, Steve, another touchdown pass, right? Hey, you you see it, you see it all the time. You know, we we expect, uh, you know, the expectation of Army quarterbacks are, uh, you know, you're going to run for 80 to 120 yards. Um, you're going to get a lot of carries. Um, but the expectation is that's often overlooked is you have to be efficient when you throw the football, right? So you have to be completing 80, 90%. So I think he was like four or five or five for six with yeah, four or five, four or five. Yeah. Yeah. For like another, you know, for like another hundred yards. Right. So, or or like not quite a hundred yards, but like, you know, like 80 yards or something like that. So that works. Yeah. um, It was really cool to, you know, see how efficient he was. Uh, throwing the ball, you know, we score. We, you know, you throw a touchdown pass. You know, hey, we we we're cooking with peanut oil, baby. Yeah. You, you know what? Um, here's what I was. Here's what really opened my eyes a little bit on that opening drive, even though it didn't go Arby's way. Right, third and one in Western Kentucky territory. They threw the ball, Steve, on third and one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, third and one is usually fullback up the gut, quarterback sneak. You know. He threw the ball, and Brandon Walters got like 17 yards out of the pass. It was a little flat pass. It was perfect. That's what I think if they can do that on a semi-consistent basis. I'm not saying throw the ball all over the stadium, right? But those little like flat passes of surprise get, 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 give yeah, you 17, 20, 17 yards, you know? And it goes, and that really goes on, uh, you know, Coach Bunkin for games management, game management, right? So like, it's third and one. He's if he's running that play, he's already determined that he's going for it on fourth and one. He's going to run. His, he's going to run his fullback dive or his QB follow or his bread and butter play or the trap or or whatever that that he feels comfortable running on fourth and one. And that's why I feel like it's it's awesome to be able to run those plays on third and one and, and give those guys confidence to do it because you know look you already know you're going to go for it on fourth down. Why not try a pass play? You know you know you're going to get the one yard. I, I think we're. Or you know, uh, well, we go. We went two for three on fourth down. All right, we had the one, the one giant stop, yeah. changed momentum. But you know, we were two for two before that. So um, you know, why not? You know, beautiful pass, beautiful route ran. Uh, the safety was super slow on even recognizing it, um, and he just did a little drag route um, across. I'll tell you the play that I really liked uh, that we ran two or three. We didn't run it. We didn't run it in the the opener. Uh, but we ran it I, definitely twice, maybe a third time, is the the um, the QB counter. Yeah. Uh, the QB counter as a as a middle linebacker who played four yards off the ball was always a very difficult um, play to track. You know, obviously the the linemen take you there, but you know, in the triple option as a middle linebacker, you're reading the fullback. Your keys aren't the the linemen, so. Um, you have to feel that you have to feel that, you know, basically something come across your face um, when you're tracking the fullback to redirect and get to that quarterback. Um, Cause they're going to just have more, you know, they're going to have five hats on four. Um, and you're kind of like the fifth guy that has to kind of redirect 
um, as that as that middle linebacker. And he did a really good. Christian Ayers did a really good of letting that play develop, like really moving towards the fullback way and then countering back a um, bunch of big, a uh, bunch of a lot of yards. I think he had like a, a 17 yard a key. He had a key third down run yeah. uh, and that was like 12 yards. Uh, after he got sacked, I think after he took the sack on that last touchdown drive, he had a, uh, a first down run. He moved the chains after the sack and uh, yeah, you know what? Great point on almost third and one being the free down in the army offense, right? That's a great point. Here's another thing I like to Christian Anderson, right? People say that, you know, Army is recruit Army's recruiting quarterbacks, Army's recruiting athletes, right? Well, Christian Anderson, his senior year at Cardinal Hayes High School in New York City, he threw for 3600 yards or and change um his senior year. And at that point, it was the second highest total in New York State history behind Greg Paulus, the guy who used to play basketball I think at Duke. I mean, so Christian Anderson certainly – and, see, there's a – you look at – when you see that touchdown pass to Brahim Murphy, right, you have two guys that are completely wide open about 10 yards from the goal line, right? And you had Chris Cameron, the tight end, running uh, more of a sideline route, and you had Brahim Murphy just, like, raising his hand saying, you know, but, I mean – that's not sometimes that's not the easiest throw sometimes either to, to put it on there where the, where the play is so wide open that you know it's six as soon as it gets off your hands right sometimes there could be a little bit of a nerves there but he he he, he made that pass perfectly yeah it's funny you mentioned that Sal because um, I'll never forget uh, when we first started the triple option my uh, junior year um, we had a pass like that and all three guys were wide open. Right or no? We my sophomore year we started trip option. I think my sophomore year. Yes, this is my sophomore year, and we had um, we had three guys wide open, and uh, we missed the play. And you know, coach is like, you know, what happened? Why didn't you make the throw? He's like, well, I was gonna throw it to him, but then I saw how wide open the other guy was, and like mid throw, I had like changed my mind uh, because he was already further downfield. So the the point is, is that. Those aren't the easiest throws because, you know, you're trying to make the right read and now you have three right reads. Um, and sometimes you just – you look at the wrong spot at the wrong time. So, Yeah, I think Christian was saying that Brahim was getting on his case a little bit, saying, hey, you guys throw me a touchdown pass. I'm always open. You know, I'm always open. And I think that um, – I think Christian said he's going to buy him some dinner, you know, after that because he made him look good. You know, he made the throw, but that Brahim crosses the goal line and uh, made him look good. You know, uh, well, it, was, back, right? it goes back to you know the game within the game, right? So you have these wide receivers that work their tail off ninety-five percent of the time, ninety-five out of hundred plays that work their tail off, um, and they get the one chance to run a route. They do their job, and if we don't put it on the money, you know, that can get frustrating. Um, yeah. All these guys are, you know, for the most part, selfless, but you know, they're they're. You know, they're all about the team. They know things happen, but, you know, it just motivates them so much more to block harder and be in the right places when, you know, the six times we do throw, we complete five of them for a touchdown and for 70 yards or whatever it is. Um, so it just kind of helps kind of round out the team a little more. Again, I don't know how the QB uh, passing uh, QB ratings determine. Um, according to the Army stats last year, uh, last week, they were four. 
45 was their QB rating or something. And I looked at once Christian Anderson threw one incompletion, he was down to, like for that game, he was down to like 247 or something like that in QB rating. I, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, efficient is what's happening. And now we talk about how now defenses, you know, better not put everybody in the box because um, now, especially with Christian Anderson, he, that's so he threw that's touchdown passes in the consecutive weeks for Christian Anderson. And I was thinking, okay, when's the last time that happened, you know, for an Army quarterback? Well, Jamel Jones did it last year. So uh, so it's not like it hasn't happened before, but it's nice to see. Now, if we're going to – if he throws one against UConn, Steve, then I'm really going to have to go back to the record books to see. I might have to go back to Carson Williams probably, I'm thinking, you know, um, for a quarterback to throw. Maybe Trent. Trent might have did it back in the day. Um, he didn't throw the ball very much, though. No, he didn't. I, I did. I, I'm, it's going to be like if they can uh, keep this. Maybe Trent's junior year when we had Ali. That might have been. Oh, maybe. That might have been uh, up there. So. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, watching that unfold is another story. Watching Ali uh, unfold as a, yeah. as a as a wide receiver is another story for another day. Hopefully with him. Hopefully with him on here. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is a game. Yeah, I mean. There's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows in this game, right? There's a lot of highs up into that like 10 minute mark in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of there's a bunch of lows uh, for the final 10 minutes. Um, they did get a field goal to make it 38-35, and that was the difference. Uh, Cole Tally 31 yards out, which is I mean a kick that you know should be made, and they made it, and they needed it. So um, uh, they so what what does as a as a coach and as you know. In a game like that, Coach Munkin was asked, well, you know, what did you think about the hot, the, the peaks and valleys, so to speak? And um, there's a lot to learn from this game, right? This could be a this could be a game that helps out the team a lot. I mean, they have high hopes this year. Um, we talked about the schedule already. We know where the key games are. Uh, next week is next week is UConn. UConn's 0-2. UConn lost to Holy Cross. Um, UConn has an interim coach right now because Randy Etzel decided to retire who uh, built that program up to be pretty strong back in the day. He, he decided to retire. So, I mean, this is uh, – maybe it's a lesson to not take your foot off the gas. I don't know. Maybe it's a lesson to just be fundamentally sound for four quarters and and play for 60 minutes, at, you know, the best um, technically you can. But, I mean, it, I think it, I think this game might help in the long run. I, I, yeah, well, I think it's – I think it's um, – I know we were – you know, we scored first and we – you know, we were – you know, we basically were in the lead the entire game, and that kind of gave a false sense of security. But we got to remember, I mean, we hadn't be- we hadn't beaten Western Kentucky in the last four times we played, Thank so you. it wasn't like it wasn't like it's somewhere we've been before. Um, so uh, I I don't necessarily think it was anything. I, I hate to say this because I don't. It, it really is not how I feel it was, but. Because I don't think that's how Coach Munkin wanted to play, but it just seemed like we were playing a little safer those last 10 minutes. Mm, and yeah. I always feel like when you play safe on defense, it just hurts you a little. It hurts you more than it helps you. Um, yeah. And it, it just felt like, okay, you know, we're up by two scores. We just turned the ball over. Um, right. Okay, well, sorry, right. we're up by two scores, like, you know, we'll just keep guys in front of us. And then hmm. so all of a sudden it's one score, right? And now, yep. um, you know, we're, we're kind of like, oh, shit, how did we get here? Um, instead of, you know, I was, I was, 
Yeah, I was really happy with um, our defense's effort. I mean, Andre Carter with another sack. I mean, the guy is – oh, my God. The guy is so big. I can't – I it always – it makes – it always – whenever I see him get up from the pile and he stand up and, he, like, his helmet's above everybody's, I'm just like, man, I always forget how big this guy is. Who leads the nation in sacks, Steve? <laughs> well, he's Andre got Carter. He's four got and a half. He got a half. He got a half. They only gave him a half? No, he got one and a half against them. Oh, uh, okay. So they did credit him with the half. Yeah, four and a half right now. Leading the nation. Hey, that's uh. <laughs> that's McNary. That's McNary territory right there. Yeah, I, 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 I still remember the uh, the plaque the NCA sent me when I I led the nation in forced fumbles per game. Nice. So he'll get a nice plaque at the end of this if uh, he keeps it up. Yeah, I mean you gotta talk about this real quick. Just uh, that was a physical game and. There was a couple injuries that Army players uh, suffered in the game. We had Connor Bishop, the starting center, go down due to injury. Uh, they ha- actually took him away on a cart. Um, we don't know the extent of the injury, so to speak, hoping that it's not too serious. Um, from what I heard, it may not be as serious as people thought. We'll see what happens. Um, we had uh, Julian McDuffie um, in the fourth quarter went down with an injury, Army's corner. Now, he did, wasn't in the series before. He was on the sideline the series before, came in, and it was a weird play that developed late, and he got into – he had to make a tackle, come from a while a while away to make a tackle, and I don't know if it was a knee or – it looked like an ankle possibly. So who knows with that. He's a valuable guy on that defense because when he was out, they they were really uh, – Zap was uh, pretty much dialed in on on, on his side uh, – with a couple of completions. So, um, yeah. you know, he, he knew that McDuffie wasn't on the field anymore. So, yeah, I mean, that's like almost guaranteed going to happen when you've got a throwing quarterback and he sees a DB goes down. He's going to immediately test whoever, whoever the new, new guy on the field is. Uh, you know, luckily, you know, we are, are, you know, we, we cycle our quarterbacks quite a bit. Um, good deep position. Yeah. We got a deep position there. So it wasn't, um, you know, a main concern and, uh, we were able to kind of – he was able to get back out there and, and feel good. So, um, you know, it just uh, – I was really um, – you know, I hate seeing the center go down. You know, he's that that centerpiece of the offensive line. It doesn't matter uh, – it doesn't matter if he's the, the actual leader or the young son. Like, he's the guy that starts each play. And, um, you know, to lose him is, is always hurt. So, hopefully we hear some news. Um, in the coming weeks that, you know, it's all good to go. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, it was, um, hard fart, uh, hard fault game, you know, so much. So there was some, uh, some, some bickering or something in the, at the end, uh, you know, which was, which, you know, I, you know, you have a lot of emotions for the way that game ended, um, with how it could have ended, um, you know, it being September 11th. Uh, you know, 20th anniversary. So a lot of additional emotions for a lot of people. Um, and I'm sure Western Kentucky believe they, they, they should have won that game. Um, just really interested to know what, you know, what, what really transpired. I don't know if it was somebody's, you know, kind of, you know, blew off coach Munkin or said something inappropriate to coach Munkin. Um, but it, he, de- he definitely, you know, that's his house. So uh, yeah. And coach Munkin don't play that game. I can maybe provide some insight into that, the end of that game. Um, 
You know, if you watch the video and you'll rewatch it closely, there was maybe a Western Kentucky assistant coach that it looked like he might have been getting one of his players away from something that might have been happening a little bit away. And I don't know if he might have said something to an Army player why he was doing that. And I think that Jeff Munkin might have said, hey, you don't talk to my players. You talk to me. Maybe something along those lines might have happened and transpired. And I also think that Western Kentucky was a little upset with the cut blocking um, during the game. They thought some of the cut blocking was maybe illegal. And um, to be honest, the officiating in that game, it was loosely officiated to me. There were a couple pass interference penalties that could have been called in the game that weren't called. Steve, Western Kentucky wasn't called for a hold one time when they were they how many times did that does that pass the ball? Fifty times? I'm guessing. That's I'm I don't know exactly. They weren't called for one hold, and I saw multiple times where Nolan Cockrell was trying to chase him down. The guy had a Cockrell's full jersey. Um had a hold of Cockrell's full jersey. I know that. You know, um, Eric Smith on a blitz a couple times was taken down, no penalty. Uh, Andre Carter, I mean, so yeah, maybe the cut blocks weren't called, but you could, I mean, with officiating, I wouldn't want to do that job, right? I wouldn't want to do that job. You know, the cut blocking is kind of like holding, right? Like, if we wanted to, we could throw holding flags on almost every single play in football, yeah, right? Like, there's a lot of grabbing. There's a lot of guys swinging by and getting in position, right? There's defensive holding at the, you know, past the five-yard marks on the receivers. There's linebackers do it, you know, probably more than anybody, but a lot of, you know. Uh, so the, the cut blocking, I mean, yeah, there's a rule for it, but it's still very hard to, like, yeah. um, you know, throw a flag for cut blocking when literally the entire team is cut blocking. So, yeah. Like, how does any of them, unless one of them looks uh, completely different than the other seven guys cut blocking, you know, it's hard to make that call when there's all these people flying all over the place. So I, I think also what happened was it was kind of like a little back and forth where then Western Kentucky's head coach was like, hey, that's my coach. Like, you want to talk to him, you talk to me then. Kind of like giving Coach Munkin back what yeah. he was putting out. Um, and, like, uh-uh. I don't know. It just – it's. It was uh, it was. I was excited we won the game. I was like, "Oh no, what's happening?" Yeah, and I'm and I'm in this. I'm in like the East stands at that point, and um, you know, just seeing it unfold and like, what the heck's going on here? And it happened pretty quick, and it was broken up pretty quick. And there was some tussling with maybe um some state police or something like that. Got trying to break up the pile, and the Western Kentucky coach is still kind of firing up and stuff, but um. I don't believe any punch. No, there were no no um fisticuffs, so to speak. So it was just but you know what, Steve? Um, you know, being 9-11, and you know the tradition usually is okay, the 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 way team will have their alma mater played if they want it. They have the option to have their alma mater played after the game's over, and then Army's alma mater will be played. And for the most part, the opposing team stays on the field and just pays tribute to what what armies like you you see what you're doing right now you know you're serving our yeah. country and you know it's it's just a, it's just a you know just a nice tribute for teams to do and i think i've only seen it not happen one other time when i've covered the game i think it was rice i think a couple of years back i might not have seen it um so it, it doesn't happen often and for a team not to stay on the field 
on 9-11. I think some Army fans took it the wrong way. Don't schedule Western Kentucky ever again. We're not playing this team ever again. Oh, you yeah. know, there are definitely some uh, some old grads fired up about, um, you know, of all days, of all of all things to not pay tribute to. Um, it, it fired up a lot of people, you know. I think, you know, at the same time, I think the coach was just trying to make the right decision. Yeah. Not thinking about like he doesn't do that very often. Like a lot of a lot of programs don't do that, so it's not like a routine to him to stay and do alma mater yeah. thing. You know, um, that's a very specialized thing for a certain amount of schools, uh, and maybe he just was trying to you know get his guys off the field and, and not take. He maybe he didn't want to take anything away from yeah. that moment from West Point. So I just try to look at it through, you know both sides where you know this just happened you know obviously guys are fired up that they lost you know it probably those seniors that was the first time they lost to army while they've been playing there so um anyway. I, I don't really fault tyson hill and the western kentucky coach for sending his team to the locker room i don't really fault him i mean it was a it, it, tempers were, were were pretty high it was emotional at the end and you don't want anything to happen. So I don't really fault him from sending his team in. Does it stink that everything happened at the end and we couldn't just get the handshake? And, well, that game was down to the wire. And that was a tooth and nail game toward the end. And Western Kentucky probably thought it had every right to win that game toward the end. You know, so um, that competitive fire, I don't really fault him for uh, sending the yeah. um, sending the team to the locker room. I mean, it stunk. It stunk. The situation stunk at the end. But, um, you know, I'm sure um, – the Western Kentucky may be back on Army schedule down the road. I don't think that's going to cost, you know, any kind of uh, – yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if who knows, but who knows if they're going to want want to do that. But um, I, guess, I guess we pretty much have covered a lot of the game. Um, you have any other insight you'd like to add? I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm going to write a uh, quick thoughts block, a uh, quick, quick thoughts story um, tonight. I'm going to post it. Oh, let I want to get at this real quick. Um, we were talking about it on the last time we were together. Um, John Radigan made his NFL debut today, Steve, for the Seahawks. He he got promoted. He got promoted to the to the active roster, and he played special teams today. And he had a tackle on the opening punt of the third uh, the, of the third quarter. Steve, I, I there's a video on Black Knight Nation Twitter that I posted a quick clip of it. Man, he he stuck it to the return guy. And he, he he gave a nice little stick. He was a guy coming down. The guy might have got away from a. Uh, uh, maybe a tackle, and man, he he laid a nice hit for his first NFL tackle. That was le- that was a really legit, really great to see. I'm gonna have to, um, I'm gonna have to check that out because uh, I was I was uh, I was not able to catch the Seahawks game today. Well, you know, with the NFL ticket being free on Directv for the first week, I'm a Cardinals fan. I was watching the Cardinals game, but I taped the Seahawks game for Radigan. I taped the Eagles game for Toth, just in, you know, just to just to cover my bases. <laughs> and uh, oh man, I didn't tape the Ravens game, man. Sorry, I know you're a Ravens fan. I didn't tape the Ravens game. Sorry, they don't play till tomorrow, so you got time. Uh, okay, phew. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I'll be watching tomorrow night, and I'll see how he does. That's his first game as a Raven, right? So, yeah, it will be. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I know that he was. Um, he's excited. So I was. I'll be excited to see him in that black and gold, or that uh, not a black and gold, but the purple, purple and black now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's fun, but we talked about it. it's fun to see like former Army football players out there in the NFL. You know, I don't care. You know, they're, they're getting their shot, and 
John Radigan's an undrafted um, free agent that may, basically, when you're you're dressing for the first game, you made the team. He made and the Seahawks, Steve. The Seahawks are really good. I mean, that's a really good team to you know they, they see something in him, and he's a, he 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 deserves everything that he that he gets. Oh, look, it's the same thing with um, you know with our players that are at West Point now. Like that's why they like the the biggest thing is like having the motor, having the drive, and then just the belief that you can play with anybody. And that's, you know, what that's what these guys have. They, they know they can play with these guys. And he went down there, you know, he knew his job, executed, and he put himself in a position to make a heck of a play. I, I'm going to, as soon as we get all the way here, I'm going to go check out the clip. So. It's ten seconds, but it's 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 one of the best ten seconds of the day. For, well, other than uh, Kyler Murray tossing four touchdown passes today, but you know it's a it's it's one of the best ten seconds of the day for me uh, as a football fan, and uh, it's just great. I mean, you, you know, you, you see like Elijah Riley and Cole Christensen are on practice squads for um, the uh, Eagles and Chargers. They're going to get their chances to play this year, and you know what's great about that, Steve, is they play. When they got their start at Army, right, special teams was big, right? They played special teams and they worked their way up. Riley, his freshman year, was a special teams guy. Steve, his freshman year, Elijah Riley, some of the hits he made as a special teams guy, you just like, this guy has something. And then, unfortunately, um, Brandon Jackson's passing, uh, the corner Brandon Jackson's passing hit, and that was just on 9-11 a few years back. You know, um, Elijah Riley, freshman year, was put in Brandon Jackson's position as a starting cornerback his freshman year. And really, I think that that kind of was, I mean, I think that a lot of his early play was what he learned for Brandon really in a short time. And, um, you know, he, he, now he's an NFL player. And I know that I saw a lot of tweets this week about Brandon Jackson and former players still remembering. I saw Jay Bateman, his former defensive coordinator tweeting out, they miss him. I saw um, Chad Wilt, the defensive line coach, when Brandon uh, Brandon uh, Jackson was there, him tweeting out stuff. Um, Brandon's memory will always be with this team, you know, and, and, and with Coach Munkin too. I know Coach Munkin. Yeah, there's some guys now that may have not played with Brandon. There's a couple of years that have passed since then, but I know that just the coaches, the coaching staff, past and present, um, definitely remember him. And um, man, that was kind of a, a something that maybe I didn't take into account too over the weekend. You had the nine 11 stuff going on. Right. But then you also had players and army, former players of teammates of Brandon Jackson, remembering him. So uh, we just wanted to pass that along. Um, yeah. It's a, it was, that was a tough time back then I was covering the team and uh, that was, I believe that the year they went in eight, eight and five and they kind of started turning it around. So, um, you know, since, I mean, they, they, they might say uh, monk and might the coaching staff might say there's somebody kind of watching over them and stuff, but um, right. yeah. Hey, every day we got we got another twelfth man helping us helping us knock down balls, uh, helping us in film room. So um, you know, it, it, no one's no one's immune to um, you know loss, and uh, you know just using it in a positive light. You know, we know BJ's looking down uh, on the team and all of, on all of his brothers and just going to. You know, you know, just be a part of the family. So, no doubt. And real quick, I just wanted to say I, I saw some uh, locker room pictures after the game, and I met him. I met him one time, Gary Steele, right? Gary Steele, yeah. former former wide receiver, 
from Army back in the 60s. I believe he was the first African-American player to play um, to play for the, for the football team. Um, Gary Steele talked to address the team after the game. And, I mean, I believe they had a Buffalo Soldier statue um, at uh, Friday um, at West Point uh, put up, put up in, and, and Gary Steele was also there. And um, Gary Steele was just – I've talked to him a, a couple times during the um, Army football alumni golf outings, and you're not going to find a, a greater man, a greater human. I mean, just an amazing guy. And I think that the, we talk about this, Steve, a lot, and we'll wrap it up here. The history of this program, right? I mean, you have Gary, you had Gary Steele at the game. You had uh, former superintendent Bob Haslam was at the game, too. Um, he played offensive line for Army in the 70s. And it just goes on and on. I mean, just bumping into – I bumped into Carlton Jones um, at a tailgate. Carlton Jones, I mean, as far as running back talent for West Point, I mean, he was – Carlton Jones really showed, could, could show out. Uh, he was actually one of our coaches at our prep school team. So he helped – he was our one of our offensive coaches on our prep school team. Uh, mentored uh, Pat Mealy and Kingsley Ahe, um when we were at prep school. Um, so it, yeah, th those guys are, you know, it was big. It was, you know, it was a five, 10, 15, 20 year reunion at West Point with a bunch of different classes. So it was good to, um, um, have all those guys up there to, to experience that win and, uh, you know, start to, you know, two and oh, baby, we're on the, yeah. right, we're on the right path. Two and oh, and UConn coming in on Saturday and we, we Briefly mentioned UConn. We'll get to UConn later this, later in the coming in the coming this week. But I mean, all in all, it's a victory. It's a W against Western Kentucky, right? You move, you you put that in the past. You move on. You start focusing on UConn and try to keep uh, the, the slate clean, so to speak, right? Right. We got a, another game at Mikey, so you know you know the odds are on our favor. Yeah. So we'll be back. We'll be back here later in the week. You can check the. Uh, BlackKnightNation.com for coverage. I'm going to break down snap counts, offense, defense. We're going to have uh, Jeff Munkin's press conference on Monday, and we're going to. I think uh, Brahim Murphy is going to be part of the uh, players uh, for this week. And uh, Brahim Murphy has a really good story. Really, I had him on earlier this year um, uh, in a one-on-one -on -one interview. Just a really great guy. Two touchdowns, passing touchdowns, receiving touchdowns in the first uh, two games for Army. Um, so we, hopefully we'll be uh, asking Brahim a couple questions too in the press conferences. Really fun time to be an Army football fan, Steve. So, uh, you know, can't wait to can't wait to get get back and talk some more Army football with you. That's right. We'll see you later this week. Hey, beat Connecticut. <laughs>